go ahead as we begin tonight and open our Bibles to the book of John and there to John chapter 6. We are going to jump right into our 14th point this evening um, with regard to this chapter. And this is somewhat of a review as we move into our next couple of slides. John chapter 6. The question, <clears throat> the 14th question that we are looking at with regard to this text is what verses words, phrases in this chapter express the permanency of that which is received. And we saw in previous questions that what is received is eternal life. And now we are looking at the permanency of eternal life. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. And notice the emphasis on that word never. Never. It is permanent. Eternal life is something that is, as the text clearly says, it's eternal. It's not six months worth of life. It's not life of until you fall or lose it or sin or whatever the case may be, it is eternal life. Jesus said in verse 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will, and notice again, certainly not cast out. Verse 39, This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. I lose nothing. Continuing the same answers to the question, or continuing uh, to answer the same question, I am the living bread, in verse 51, that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live, and notice this, forever. Not for a limited period of time, but forever. Verse 54, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has, and Jesus said, eternal life. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Again, verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Verse 50, This is the bread which came down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. You know, it's interesting, the number of religions, even those within what we would call the scope of evangelicalism today, it was not always this way, but today, many of them believe that a person can lose salvation. And to believe that, you have to reject and ignore all of these verses, 
plus many others. Look at the 15th question. And you make sure you have your Bible ready because we're going to be looking at several verses that are not going to be presented on the slide. What verses indicate that the loss of salvation would be an overturning of the absolute sovereign will of God? Look at verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. Now notice what we've emphasized. But the will of him who sent me. I want you to take a look in your Bibles for a moment. The text isn't on the slide, but look at 37. John 6 and verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Inside that phrase, inside that verse, there is a statement that is referring to the doctrine of election. Take a look at the text again. Verse 37, all that the Father, notice this, there's two phrases here, gives me. We have examined that this giving of the sheep to the Son was something that took place in eternity past. And it is an aspect of God's sovereign choice, His election. And Jesus says that all of those the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. So as we move into the 38th, 39th, and 34th verse, we see that they're all tied together having to do with this doctrine of election. And then Jesus, continuing that statement in verse 38, says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. And verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Those statements all conveying that this doctrine of salvation is an aspect of the eternal sovereign will of God. If at any single point in this doctrine of election, one point of it fails, one aspect of it fails, then the entire nature of God is at stake. It becomes corrupted. If any of it fails, it is a reflection not on 
the sinner, but on the Creator. I've listed several verses here, and we'll take a look at these. So, with respect to this truth, let's start in Romans chapter 8. Turn there with me, if you would, in your Bibles, Romans chapter 8. If any aspect of it fails, then the sovereign power of God is compromised. Take a look at this. And we could look at multiple aspects of it in each of these verses, but we'll pick out a few here. His sovereign power is compromised. Look at verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. God's sovereign power is in view there. He causes all things to work together for good. If someone were to lose his or her salvation or some element of this doctrine of election was compromised, then the entire nature of God is at stake and compromised. In particular, his power, his foreknowledge. Notice verse 29. For those whom he foreknew would be compromised. His purpose, notice the text, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined them to become conformed to the image of his Son. That is, with respect to his purpose. Take a look at verse 30. And these whom he predestined, he also called. That's the effectual call is compromised. The justice of God in verse 30 is compromised. Those whom he called, he also justified. And in each one of these, there are multiple levels. For instance, if God's justice is compromised, then the redemption work of Christ on the cross is compromised. The doctrine of election, that is, God choosing is also compromised. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1. Move down to verse 4. Familiar text. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. He chose us before the foundation of the world. That is his election. What's not seen in the slide here, but just the first part of it is 1 Peter chapter 1. Take a look at what Peter does with regard to this. 1 Peter chapter 1. Go to verse, we'll just start in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are, and what does he say? Chosen. That is election. He combines with that election our inheritance. Look at verse, well, we'll read in, from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
our hopes compromised. Verse 6, also in relationship to our hope. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Notice, in this you greatly rejoice. That is, with respect to our salvation and hope and the inheritance that we have. The inheritance itself becomes compromised. Verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is irresistible and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. But not just that. Look what Peter goes on to say. Move down to verse 10. As to this salvation... And so whenever Peter is talking about salvation here, he's talking about all aspects and all respects of it. Look at it closely. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. Notice closely, the Old Testament prophets are at risk. All of those Old Testament prophecies, specifically with regard to salvation, are corrupted or compromised. If God's nature regarding salvation is compromised, or if with regard to any subject is compromised, then everything else is affected by it. Take a look as the text goes on. Verse 11. Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating. It's not just a matter of the prophecies being compromised, but the very Spirit of truth Himself is compromised. Again, reflecting the nature of God. Not only that, but look at verse 12. It was revealed to them to whom the, that is, that they were not serving themselves, that is the Old Testament prophets, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Who's he referring to there? Look again at the text. Those who preach the gospel. In particular, he has the apostles in view. So you've got a compromise of the Old Testament, a compromise of the Holy Spirit of truth, the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles. The idea that someone could lose his or her salvation is ultimately an assault on the very nature of God. It is not something to take lightly. If one aspect of the will of God is compromised, then we have nothing to hope for or hope in. Not only that, but take a look at John 17. And we could look at several verses with respect to this, but in John 17, look at verse 2. The authority of Jesus Christ then is called into question. John 17 and verse 2. 
Jesus, as you are aware, is praying here. And he speaks to the Father. And he says to the Father, even as you gave him authority, that is Christ authority, the Son authority, over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. If salvation is lost, if it is not permanent, then God's nature is corrupted. The authority of Christ is corrupted. And on goes the list. We could look at the fact that there would be interpersonal conflict within the Godhead Himself. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, a text we've referred to in multiple, at multiple times. Hebrews chapter 9. Move down in the text to verse 13 or 12. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Notice in verse 14, all members of the Godhead are mentioned with respect to the death of Christ. Christ in his death offered himself through the eternal spirit, and he did so offering himself to God. All three mentioned in the single verse with reference to the death of Christ. It speaks to the unity in the Godhead. And if one element of it falls, then the very nature of God is corrupted. The interpersonal relationship between the Godhead, the members of the Godhead, are compromised. We have no hope whatsoever. So, believing that the loss of salvation is possible is not a subject to take lightly. It'll eventually, and in essence, affects the entirety of a person's faith, whether they will acknowledge it or not. We're going to close here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this evening, for the opportunity to come together and to study your word, Lord. We pray that you would bless the knowledge of it in our minds and hearts now. Thank you for your presence and for the leadership of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.